the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Last week here on Abounding Grace, we began to look at the sovereignty of Jesus as recorded for us in Luke 5, verses 12 through 15. Today, we continue that look. Join us. Abounding Grace is next. The Lord asks you to do something that doesn't seem possible, doesn't seem like you can carry it off, but he does so anyway, giving you a marvelous miracle and revealing himself again to be sovereign. So how do you respond? That's the subject of our time today here on Abounding Grace as we take a look at, again, Luke chapter 5 and the sovereignty of Jesus in this marvelous miracle of the catch of fish. Join us for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner. There's that great verse in the Bible that says, Get angry, but do not sin. But some people believe that whenever you get angry, you're sinning. That anger is a sinful emotion no matter what. Well, beloved, that can't be true because the Lord Jesus Christ got angry and he got real angry. So it's possible to get real angry and not sin. Well, how can you discipline yourself so that you never get angry except at the things that got Jesus angry? Will you commit before God that you will manifest a Christ-like anger in your life? And then pray for God to create in you a Christ-like anger so that you get angry at everything that angers the Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else. Now, whenever you get angry because someone hurts your feelings, because you didn't like the way that you were treated, because someone made a comment you didn't appreciate, then you are sinning every time. That is not a Christ-like anger. When your wife or husband didn't thank you, or they didn't snuggle with you and you get mad, you sin every time. But you also sin when you see God's name blasphemed and you don't get angry. You see, there are two sides to this Christ-like anger. You also sin when you see the encouragement of sexual perversion in our culture and you do not get angry. When you see God's will blatantly denied and disobeyed and the kingdom of God resisted and the kingdom itself assaulted and the name of God dragged through the dust and you don't feel intense anger that moves you to want to take the energy of that anger and do something to change the situation, you are sinning against Almighty God. Let me tell you another way that you and I sin. When we get mad at the things that got Jesus angry, 
but we lose control of our anger and it turns into rage and it makes us violent and revolutionary and turns into revenge. When anger becomes the seeking of personal revenge, it is always sinful. God says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. God says there is no one who knows how to show vengeance like I do. If you try to take vengeance or revenge upon my enemies, you are just going to mess everything up. Don't worry about it. My vengeance, he says, will be perfect. Keep yourselves under control. And do not, do not buy into the myth that so many Christians believe. And that is that there is an uncontrollable anger. Well, pastor, you don't understand. My anger just comes upon me. I can't do anything about it. Oh, I wish I could do something about it. I wish I was better. It's just a monster that takes over. It just comes upon me suddenly. Everything will be going along smooth. And then all of a sudden, I become enraged against my wife and say awful things to her and yell at her. I just hate myself for it. But it's just uncontrollable. Even my children. I make a commitment that I will be patient and compassionate. But then they misbehave again. And it drives me crazy. And all I can see is red and I become enraged. I wish I didn't do it. Please tell me how to stop. Well, the first thing you must realize is when you verbally or physically brutalize your wife in blind rage or scream and yell and strike your children in exaggerated anger, it is because you have self-consciously and deliberately chosen to do so. It is because that is what you want to do at that point in time. You wanted to brutalize and yell at your wife. So you did. You wanted to yell and scream at your children, and so you did. And you did it out of pride. The first thing we need to understand is that there is no such thing no such thing as uncontrollable anger, only an uncontrolled anger. Even the most wicked people can control their anger. A man and a woman who are total pagans, who are arguing with one another something fierce. And then I come along and I knock on their door and I say, Hello, this is Pastor Gary Wagner. Oh, Pastor Wagner, come on in. It's nice to have you come by. What have they just done? They have just controlled their anger. So whenever you get mad at anything does not, that does not stir the Lord to anger, you are sinning. Stop it, beloved. And whenever you don't get angry at the things that make Jesus angry, you're sinning. So start getting angry. And whenever you let your anger for those things that make Jesus angry get out of control, 
And instead of using the anger to do something about the situation, you have sinned against God and you must repent and ask Him for forgiveness. Therefore, as disciples of Christ, manifest this Christ-like compassion. Manifest this Christ-like sympathy and manifest this Christ-like anger. Thanking God all the time for the compassion, the sympathy, the anger of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank Him for that touch of His hand that has brought such relief and sympathy and comfort and healing into your life. You know, we're never more in tune to the subject of Christ's sovereignty than when we walk, than when we talk about the touch of Jesus. Because this touch of compassion and touch of sympathy and touch of anger are all a touch of omnipotence. It is a touch of power. When the Lord Jesus Christ touches in compassion and sympathy, He heals and He transforms and cleanses from sin, us from sin and all the consequences of evil. The Lord Jesus Christ touches the leper and simply by saying, I am willing, be cleansed. The leper experiences the omnipotence of God in his life and is totally transformed. It is a touch of sovereign, omnipotent power. And here's what I want you to remember. The significant thing about this whole story is that the divine, the touch of divine power came with the touch of a human hand. That the Lord Jesus Christ is God in human flesh. It's very important. Listen to these words by John Calvin. This is a tremendous observation. And this is where I got my idea for this sermon. When the Son of God took upon himself our flesh, he did not only desire to touch us with his hand, but he was united to one and the same body with ourselves, that he might be flesh of our flesh. Nor did he only stretch out his arm to us, but descended from heaven, even to hell, and yet contracted no stain from it. But retaining his innocence took away all our impurity and sprinkled us with his holiness. By his word alone, he might have healed the leper, but he applied at the same time the touch of his hand to express the feeling of compassion. The stretching out of his hand was therefore an expression and token of in infinite grace and goodness. And the greatest incomparable act of compassion that the world has ever seen is the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of God that comes into our lives, come to our, into our lives with the touch of a human hand. The leper was healed as human hands touched him. And yet what flowed from the person whose hand that was, nothing other than divine power, the omnipotence of God that can overturn and clean up every aspect of his man's life that has been polluted by evil in rebellion against God. Now remember, there's no magic in his touch. When the Lord Jesus Christ touched the leopard, it wasn't because God's healing power had to flow down his arms, out of his fingertips into that person's life. And it wasn't the human hand that touched the leper that healed him. The power that healed the leper came from the sovereign will 
of the Son of God. He said, I will. And instantly the leper was clean. That leper was healed because Jesus willed it. How did the universe come into existence? Was there some magical incantation that God then and then all of a sudden universe started developing? Of course not. God spoke and the universe existed. God willed it. He spoke it and it happened. Why are you a Christian? You are a Christian today because sometime in your life from conception on, Jesus willed that you be a Christian and you became a Christian even though your will at the time was in rebellion against him. Even though your will was held captive to sin. Even though you were dead in your trespasses and sin and loved the darkness and hated the light. And even though your will, if left to itself, would never in a billion years choose to love the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a time in your life when Jesus simply willed that your life be transformed and at that split second, instantaneously, completely, your whole life was transformed because God willed it so. You say, Gary, are you telling me that Jesus' will controls my life? Yes, sir, I am. Are you telling me you don't believe in free will? No. I'm telling you that I don't believe in a sovereign human will. I'm telling you that you need to believe that man has a will. But until Jesus wills for you to will to choose Jesus, you never will. He willed it, and it happened. Now, this isn't the only time we read about this great will of Jesus. The English version of John 16 chickens out of the accurate translation of this verse because it is so strong. Turn with me to John 17. What do we have here in John 17? You actually have a prayer from the Son of God to God of the Father. And in this prayer, Jesus is making requests and petitions on behalf of his people. He prays that God would protect them. He prays that God would keep them safe from the evil one and the power of his name. He prays that God would keep them all unified, that God would sanctify them by his word, that he would fill their lives with joy that he would deepen their intimate relationships with him. And then notice how the prayer concludes in verse 24. Now, beloved, if you ever pray like this and you don't get struck by lightning, thank God for his amazing grace. Listen, verse 24. Father. Now, the English version then would say, I desire. But the Greek word here is stronger. It is Father I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am in order that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou didst love me before the foundation of the world. Now that's amazing. Jesus says in a prayer to God, Lord, there is something I want you to do because I will it. This is what I will, God. 
This is what I want, that everyone for whom you have given me be saved and spend eternity with me and see my glory. Beloved, don't you ever pray like that. Don't ever pray before God and say, Father, there is something I want you to do, and I expect you to do it because I will you to do it. Now, why do I bring that up? That should be common sense to all of us. Well, do you realize that there are preachers today who teach that that is the way that we are to pray? That you are to tell God, I will you do such and such? So that God is duty-bound to do whatever you command him to do? Name it, claim it, and frame it is basically their theology of prayer. And beloved, that is utterly blasphemous. Who are we to put our little, finite, human, sinful wills on par with the infinite, sovereign will of Almighty God? And yet the Lord Jesus Christ does that very thing. He does not say, Father, if you please, would you? Not, Father, I humbly beseech you. He says to God the Father, I will, Father, that you glorify all of those whom you have given me and that they may see my glory. And God answered that prayer because the will of Jesus is one with the will of God because Jesus was not only a human being. Jesus was God in human flesh and the will of of Jesus' beloved controls the universe. Hopefully you've noticed thus far in the study of Luke that Luke uses every opportunity he can to show us that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. The leopard was healed because Jesus willed it. You became a Christian because Jesus willed it. You come to appreciate the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ told God he willed it. Did you know that nothing will ever happen in your life except what the Lord Jesus Christ wills you to experience? Now, beloved, isn't that comforting? Well, it is comforting to everyone except one kind of person, and that is a proud person. A proud person says, are you telling me that everything that happens in my life happens according to whatever Jesus wills? That sounds like I have no control over my life. Are you saying my will is not supreme? It actually sounds like I'm not the captain of my soul and the master of my faith. Well, you're right, my friend. You see, the only person who resists the supremacy and the sovereignty of the will of Jesus is the person who is trying to pit his will against the will of Almighty Jesus. Who would rather his life be under the control of his own will than under the control of Christ? Now listen, my friends. You have a will. You have a will to choose whatever you want to choose. You have the freedom to will whatever you want to will. Now, you can't do everything you will, and you can't carry out all of your choices. 
And if you are an unbeliever, there are some things you are never going to choose to do, such as becoming a Christian unless Jesus wills it first. And several things that you will never desire or want, such as being righteous unless Jesus wills it for you, because of the depraved state of your heart. But you do have a will, and it is governed by the state of your heart. And in the unbeliever, his will is governed by his depravity. You have a will. Now listen, but your will does not control your life. Even though you think or may think you're a rugged individualist and you can do whatever you put your mind to, trust me, you cannot. Your finiteness is a limit that encompasses the entirety of your life. Or you have a will. But your will cannot control anything. And let me give you some proof. Will to be a millionaire right this minute. Just will it into your bank account. Go ahead. And call me later and let me know if it's there or not. Can you will how many years you're going to live? The most important things that happen to you in this life are not things that you will. Your will, sorry to say, has no control over anything. It is Christ that controls everything about your life. Whatever comes into your life comes into your life for one reason. It was willed by Jesus for it to happen. And if Jesus doesn't will, For something to happen, it is never going to happen. And by the way, the will of God was the only reason you were conceived in your mother's womb. It was not simply because your daddy loved your mommy. And you are not alive today because you run two, three, four, five miles a day, or as in my case, you don't. In fact, I like what Gary Norris said uh, one time. He says, God has given every one of us a certain amount of heartbeats, and I'm going to take mine just as slow as I can. Seriously, beloved, you are alive today because Jesus willed it. Those things that happen in your life that cause so much frustration and anger, Jesus willed for them to take place in your life for your good and for his glory. And yet, we get all upset and full of stress and anxiety and frustration and anger. And we let everyone around us know it. And we hurt others because we didn't like what happened to us. Why? Because we forget that it never would have happened if Jesus hadn't willed it to happen. That compassionate, sympathetic, sovereign, holy Jesus. Now, beloved, who wouldn't want the compassionate, sympathetic Jesus to control their lives? Who would ever find that distasteful? Only a person in rebellion against him. If you are in rebellion against Jesus today, 
because you don't like the way that he's causing your life to play out, you will most definitely one day see how angry this compassionate Jesus can become. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported, which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found, again, at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. (music) 